uh, conclude our series in the letter of James, and we've actually, uh, this is week seven here, and so what we've done is we've looked at 14 of the big themes in the letter of James, and as always, if you've missed any of the uh, messages, if you've missed any of the, the, the big themes or anything like that, always go online to our website, KamikiChristian.org, and, uh, and get caught up. And, uh, and especially today, today's message is like, it's, it's powerful, and, and there's a lot to it. And this, the message today might be one of those messages where you want to listen to it again because of all the passages, this was probably the most difficult to prepare and to, to wrap my mind around to kind of present it in a coherent way. So this might be a good message to, to kind, of, uh, uh, kind of go back on. But before we get into it, I want to uh, also bring up that I've been talking a lot about this series, How the Bible Was Built. And, you know, we've asked the question, how do we get the Bible that we have today? What makes the Bible unique? What makes the Bible scripture? And what's that all about? So I've been pumping it up big time because I'm an extrovert, so I always, like, you know, exaggerate most things. And no, I'm just kidding. I never exaggerate. So get it? Come on now. You with me? Are you with me? All right, there we go. All right, so uh, so starting tomorrow, we're going to release the first of seven videos, and it's going, it's all animation. So it's, uh, our goal is that it transcends all generations. And here's the series that we have going. So this, so on Monday tomorrow, we're going to release the introduction, and then we're going to uh, talk about Old Testament part one and part two. Then we're going to talk about the apocrypha. And you're like, well, what's that all about? Well, you got to wait a month, but. It's coming. We're going to release one a week. My goal is eventually we'll, we'll, we'll release two a week. And, uh, and then we got New Testament part one and part two. And then week seven is the grand finale is how the New Testament became scripture. And we hope you enjoy it. As always, when you, when you watch it, if, you're, if it's beneficial to you, share it uh, on your social media site. Share it through email, however you want to share it. And we would, uh, that, would be, that would be great. Now back to James. James was the half-brother of Jesus. After uh, Jesus was born through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, Mary and Joseph got married. They had James. James, therefore, was the half-brother of Jesus. And James didn't believe in the ministry of Jesus until after Jesus rose from the grave. When James saw Jesus risen, then James was like, huh, maybe what he was saying all this time was actually true. And it's a powerful testimony to the resurrection because that... The, that event, the resurrection, changed the life of Jesus, or changed the life of James, and it changes our lives today. And James was a leader in the Jerusalem church. He was known as James the Just, and the book of James is a powerful, uh, it's, 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 it's just words of wisdom, nuggets of wisdom for our lives to live every single day. And it's just, it's, it's an amazing Amazing uh, book. So in James, we've been reading James 1 to 5 as well as Proverbs and Sermon on the Mount. And some of us did it all seven weeks. Some skipped. Whatever you did was great. But I would challenge you, challenge myself, challenge all of us that we continue reading. Whether it's James or pick something in Scripture to read. And let's always be in God's Word. So let's come to the final message here in James chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 13 to 16. James chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. Is anyone among you in trouble? 
let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Verse 13 talks about a singing church. It says, if you're, if you're in trouble, pray. If you're happy, sing. James is not advocating that when, when trouble comes, that all we do is pray and sing. We don't do anything about it. The point he's getting at is that, yes, you pray, you sing, you ask for wisdom, and then you act on it as well. So it's not a faith that doesn't require action. The whole letter of James is about faith that moves into action. So when trouble comes, pray, but do what you can do through the wisdom gained through the prayer and godly people to take action on it. And then when things are good, sing. Now some of us have better voices than others. Me, for example, I'm classically, hey, 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 I'm classically trained I'm vocally. I've been singing since birth. Well, I'm not, that's not, sorry, that's actually, that's not me. So, uh, so I don't have the gift of like singing great, but, but, but I do sing, and it's a beautiful thing to the Lord. And in Acts chapter, I hope, in Acts chapter 16, there's a, a story of Paul and Silas. There's this woman who was possessed by this demon, and somehow she could foretell the future. And so here's what happened. She could foretell the future. Paul and Silas go to her and say, name of Jesus, get out. This demon left her, and she couldn't predict the future anymore. And so she went back to her masters. She says, hey, these guys made it so I can't predict the future anymore. And then they got the Roman authorities involved. Roman authorities got Paul and Silas, and they threw them in prison. Then the Bible says in Acts 16, about midnight, they were praying and singing songs to God. They were just beat up. They were just humiliated. They were in prison with the worst of all the criminals, and they were praying and singing songs. They didn't let their external circumstances affect the fact that God was with them always. And so about midnight, they were praying and singing songs to God. And then the Bible says a big earthquake happened. <clears throat> On Friday night, I said, now, you know, in, in Hawaii, you know, we don't know what earthquakes are. But I was corrected. No, there are earthquakes here on Oahu. We just don't feel them. Is that, is that true? Okay, all right. So those earthquakes that we don't feel happen. That, that was funny. Not funny? Okay, all right. I'm going to keep going. All right. So then the walls came down. The chains came off. And everyone well, could have ran, but they stayed there. The jailer came, realized they're all still there. And he said to Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. But the power, what happened was that, the, that, that they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to pray and to sing regardless of their external circumstances. And God did a amazing things in and through them. They were in dire situations, dire straits, but yet they were still praying and singing. What an example for you and I when life hits from all angles, when frustrations come from all different sides. May we pray and may we sing. 
Then James moves on in verses 14 to 16, and he talks to us about being a healing and also a praying church. Now, here's the problem when we start talking about healing. That we have all these preconceived ideas and all these people we've seen on TV abuse God's gift that he's given people. We see, uh, I've seen, literally seen people come up on stage and these faith healer things on, on, on YouTube and things like that where, where they leave worse off than when they first came because they're grabbing them and they're saying, in the name of Jesus, you're healed. And this guy just had like neck surgery and he's doing more damage. And, and that stuff happens. And then we've all heard stories of all the frauds that are out there. How many frauds are out there making money in the name of Jesus, claiming to be faith healers? So what has happened is people have misused the name of God. They have misused the power of God, and they have given this word healing a bad name. And that is when the devil wins, is when we say, oh, it's all, it's all hogwash because people have ruined it. Let's try to keep these ideas just off to the side for a moment, and let's see what Scripture talks about healing. Because in this passage here, this passage here has a lot of questions in and of itself. And let's look at some of the questions that as we read this Scripture here, these questions that, 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 that naturally arise. And, and just on a side note, when we read Scripture, a good... Uh, a good, uh, a good exercise to do would be to write down questions. As you're reading, write down questions. Let's say you read 10 verses. Try to come up with 20 questions for those 10 verses. And, and that's a great way of learning, great way of studying, a great way of really thinking through what we're reading. So in James chapter 5, let's look at 14 to 16 here. Because these there's some... There's some big questions we have to address before we move on. But in verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders to of the, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And verse 15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There are a lot of questions that come from this passage. I want to highlight three of them. Number one, what happens when someone offers a prayer in faith and the sick is not healed? Another question is what did the, apostle, did the Apostle James ever experience a time when someone was not healed? And number three, what does sin and sickness have to do with one another? Didn't Jesus deny sin and sickness? Uh, did not actually go hand to hand? So aren't these great questions to ask about this passage here? Like this is what Bible study is. We read, we get into it. We don't shy away from these tough passages. Like pretty much the entire letter of James is a tough letter. Um, but, but as we get into it, we, we just got to hit it head on and see what exactly is going on. So let's, let's paint the scene. The scene is this. Somebody is sick on their sick bed, on their deathbed, whatever it is, and they say, call upon the elders. Have them come to your house, anoint you with oil, and then you will be healed. And in verse 15, it says the, uh, the prayer in faith. The prayer in faith 
The prayer offered in faith is a prayer based on confidence that God can and wants to heal. I want us to understand that. I'm going to say it two more times just so we understand this prayer offered in faith phrase. So that phrase there in verse 15, the prayer offered in faith. The prayer offered in faith is a prayer based on confidence that God can and wants to heal. The prayer offered in faith is, is, is a prayer that God can and wants to heal. Keep that, just, just keep that in our minds as we continue to go through this passage here. And, and, uh, and, and this doesn't imply, this verse does not imply that someone who doesn't have enough faith is the reason why they didn't get healed. It's not, it's not that someone praying for someone, it's not either of their faith that's going on here. And sometimes what happens is this verse has been so misused over the years that there's been what's called spiritual abuse. Well, you didn't get healed because you didn't have enough faith. And that's dangerous. And that is devastating. And that is spiritual abuse. And that's a misunderstanding of what's going on in James chapter Five. But, but what's going on is, uh, is, is this verse suggests that believers have a right to faith in all life situations. And there's two promises that we have here. The first is that the prayer offered in faith will, number one, make the sick person well. And we're going to continue hitting this thought here and coming back to it. Secondly, there's a statement about forgiveness and sins and, and all of that. Uh, secondly, we learn that, that illness may be due to sin. Now, don't misunderstand me here. It's not saying every single illness is because of sin. But there might be some illnesses that, that is a, a result of sin. Which one is that? I don't know. But, but there is some type of correlation there. Now, is it all this illness that we get or is it a minute? I don't know. But the point is he's saying that, that, that when some people are sick because they have sin... But when they're anointed, God will forgive them when they ask for forgiveness for it. So with these promises, with these promises that God will make the sick person well and, and that God will forgive people, with these promises, God still retains his freedom to do his will and work things out in the, best, in the ways best for the kingdom. With these promises, God still retains his freedom to do God's will, his will, and work things out in the ways best for the kingdom. And so, prayer offered in faith. We have to really look at this passage here. Because as we look at this passage here, we, all we have to do is go to the Bible and realize that there are people in the Bible who were sick and didn't get healed. So as we look at this passage in James 5 that says the elders come on the, uh, and they'll pray and the uh, prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. What we're going to do is look at uh, just one instance in the New Testament where somebody wasn't healed. And so if that's the case, then we've got to look at the whole council of scripture to understand what is going on here. Look at it in, the, in a specific context of James 5, but then look at it in the whole context of, of scripture and what's going on. Um, and first, Second Timothy chapter four, verse twenty. The apostle Paul writes to the young Timothy. Eratus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Just try saying that ten times real quick. 
I had to write it out phonetically, <laughs> and I'm sure I butchered the words. But the point is this. The Apostle Paul was with some guy that we never heard of. He was sick, praying and all that stuff. Did he get healed, yes or no? Did he get healed? Thank you. Paul then says, hey, I'll leave you with your friends and family. They'll, they'll take care of you. I got to go preach the word. Paul leaves. The apostle, if anybody could do healing, it's the apostle Paul, right? If anybody could like raise people from the dead, you know, next to Jesus, it's the apostle Paul. But he was sick and he left them sick. Not like sick, like dying, like see you later, but like, like with, you know, in good company. But so he left. But what's interesting is he didn't get well. And there's other instances in the Bible where people didn't get healed. So we got to take that into account as we look here at James chapter 5. Because we don't want to have um, a poor understanding of what it means to have faith that heals. And, and this is important. We must always understand that this and other promises of the Bible contain an implied condition. God will grant the prayer... Whenever it is within his will. God will grant the prayer to heal someone when it is in his will. The implied condition of this is that God will grant the prayer offered in faith if it is his will. Then the million dollar question. Why doesn't God heal everybody? I don't have a great answer for you. But what I could tell you is that we have two choices during this difficult time of our lives. One, we could look to God in the struggles of life. Look to God as we go through these difficult times and embrace him as best as we can. Or the second choice is we can run from him. Those are really our two choices that we have when life hits us from all angles. So we can't take the statement in James 5 as a guarantee that every prayer offered with a sufficient degree of faith will be answered. Let's say it again. So we cannot take the statement in James 5 as a guarantee that every prayer offered with a sufficient degree of faith will be answered. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence we have. And approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It goes back to God's will. What is God's will for this person to be healed, that person to be healed, and all of that? Whenever God does not provide instant healing, the prayer is still useful because it provides encouragement and help for the person who is sick. And then in verse 15. It says, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. And it recognizes this idea that some, some illnesses are related to sin. Now, we got to be careful here because, once again, this verse could be totally taken out of context and could be used to abuse people's situation. And that's not the point here. We are not sure which sin causes uh, illnesses, which sins don't cause Ill illnesses. we got to be careful about that. But the fact is... For whatever reason, there is some type of sins that cause illnesses. And Paul talks about that in Corinthians as well. And, and so when sickness does come on the ill believer, that person must examine themselves before the Lord to determine if 
what they were doing if that sin is the cause of their illness. Now, one Greek scholar says this way, because he talks about the grammatical construction, which I've forgotten all that stuff in college. But he says this, the grammatical construction shows that sin is not always the cause of sickness. So just want to make sure we're clear. We don't want to abuse this passage. Oh, you have a cold? What'd you do? You sin? <laughs> Imagine that. And that's what Job, remember Job? You know, we were all there, right, back in the day. Job, Job was sick. He lost everything. And his friends were comforting him. I talked about this last week. But then all of a sudden, what happened? His friends turned on him. What'd you do? What sin did you do? What sin did you do? What sin did you do? And they missed the entire point. It wasn't that he was sin, sin, he didn't sin at all. He didn't do anything against the Lord. In verses 16 to 18, we're encouraged to confess our sins to one another. And the reason we confess our sins to one another is one, because sometimes we need to ask someone's forgiveness. Because maybe we have offended them or hurt them. Second reason we confess our sins to one another is because we want to be held accountable. As believers in Jesus, we should always seek accountability, always seek to have someone who say, hey, you know, how are you doing your walk with the Lord? So let's confess our sins to one another. It doesn't mean we confess it to everybody known to mankind, right? But what it means is that we have those close friends that we could confide in, those close friends that could call us out when we need to be called out. That's what it means to confess our sins to one another. So let's talk about oil. What's this deal about oil? In the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a lot of examples of oil. In the Old Testament, they would get oil and they would dedicate different parts of the temple or the tabernacle to the Lord. It was a symbol of the God, it was a symbol of God coming upon different elements, the, the, the altar or, or, or the different elements, um, you know, or the Ark of the Covenant. They were dedicating it to God. It was as if God's presence was on it. Also in the New Testament, there's examples of oil, and, and during this time frame, just in general, there's examples of this oil being used for medicinal purposes. That, oh, somebody's sick, let's put some oil on them. They didn't have, you know, antibiotics and all the great stuff that we have today, but what they had, they had olive oil. And, and so in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, you see both of these examples going. Oil in the terms of the symbol of God, the Holy Spirit, dedicating something. Or oil in the sense of a literal oil that would bring healing to somebody's life. So as the band comes, we're going to put this verse, chapter 5, verse 13 into practice. Here's what it says. If anyone... And sick, if you're in trouble, let them pray. If anyone happy, let them sing songs of praise. Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let them call upon the elders of the church to pray. If anyone among you sick, is there anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. What we're going to do in a moment we're going to put this verse into practice. Because there's people here who are literally physically sick. And there are people here who may be sick because of some type of sin or something going on in life. And we're going to put this verse into practice. And in a moment, I'm going to call the elders and the staff and the prayer team to, to pray over you. And what they're going to do is we just have these little vials of oil here. 
nothing fancy. All it is is olive oil from the grocery stores. Nothing fancy about it. And there's nothing magical about these things. And we're just going to take a little oil, put it on our finger, and either put it on your hand, on your wrist, on your forehead, whatever you're comfortable with. And we're going to say, Lord, heal this person. You could tell them what's going on, or you could just say, the Lord knows, and we'll pray for you. And, and so in a moment, um, we're going to invite you just forward. We're going to be, you know, lining the, the front here all the way to the walls. And if you want prayer, people are here to pray for you. And if God does heal you, we want to hear those stories. We want to hear stories of what God has done through so we could praise and so we could, we could give God honor to God and so we could celebrate what God has done. And so the staff and elders and prayer team, you could come forward. Let's just line this whole area up here. And, uh, and what we're going to do is um, um, pray for you. And, um, and we're going to just spend some time doing this and, and see what happens. When God heals you, if, when he heals you, if he heals you, it's God. It's all about what God has done. It's all about what the power of what God has done. And so let's give God the glory for this. Maybe, maybe you're saying, I'm doing all right, and maybe, maybe you just want to come up here and pray about the two mass shootings that has happened. You could come up here, and we'll pray with you for that as well. Pray for the families, and pray for the hurt, pray for healing. We, and that's appropriate to do as well, because the world we live in is a broken world. And so I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask God to do what God can only do. It doesn't matter who you come up to. It's not like if you come to me, it's going to work any better than if you come up to, you know, Pastor Jerry or anybody. It's, this is all the power of the Lord. Father, as we come in this time, as people hear, as, as you move within their hearts and their, and their souls, pray you give them the courage just to come forward to receive prayer. Father, we pray that you do heal. And God, regardless, if you heal someone completely, if you heal someone partially, or if you just encourage somebody, we want you to get the glory. We love you, Jesus. And we invite you during this time. Holy Spirit, come down. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing. And when you're comfortable, come forward to anyone here.